Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Hey, welcome to episode 17 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I'm Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I'm Sam with Fowser Consulting. We have got a very packed episode for you today, even though we're going to drop just a couple of our segments. In the spirit of full transparency, Drew and I have been working just a ton, and we're both only about halfway through the book we were going to review on this episode, so we're going to save that for episode 18. Also, you won't hear an interview on this episode. We had just a spectacular guest lined up. And then Mother Nature said, no, 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 just wait a minute. So our 2020 Trainer of the Year, Stephanie Siegwald, is actually helping the RPM team get their stores back up and running after yet another hurricane down in that neck of the woods. So we'll have Stephanie uh, on episode 18 as well. Uh, But don't you worry, we've got plenty to talk about today. uh, And we're going to start off with uh, where you been. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere. Drew, where you been? Well, gee, Sam, I've been everywhere. I'm so glad we play Johnny Cash to start this segment. Right now, I'm actually in Seattle. I'm teaching the Better Than Yesterday visit system to Chris and Pat Farmer. Got eight supervisors cruising around the northern part of Seattle. Last week, though, Sam, and the whole focus of this episode, I may have been with you in Cleveland and a few of Anthony Satterwhite's stores. We uh, rolled in there on Thursday. We did a little training with the team. We spent Friday working on Ready, Set, Go. And then Saturday, we did some observations as well. So with that said, that's where we've been. We are going to play a little... Tom Petty, and then jump right into talking some training. Hey, Tom, thanks a lot. And, you know, speaking of learning to fly, Drew, you know, we talked about Ready, Set, Go with the team. And, you know, if you want to hear more of the nuts and bolts about what Ready, Set, Go is all about, You know, I'd suggest if you're listening now to go to trainwithbty.com and you can download our complete virtual training event that we did just a couple of weeks ago. And it talks in specifics about what to do to ready yourself to make sure that you can deliver the best quality and fast Domino's Pizza experiences for your teams. But I think what we're going to talk about today, Drew, is more what we learned about the team members themselves and how important the team members are to this whole system. I couldn't agree more. I do want to add, Sam, that for our listeners who are on their phone right now, listening with their fabulous AirPods, if you go to trainwithbty.com and click the menu in the upper right corner and choose shop, you can download the videos right to your phone and treat it just like a webinar because Although it's nice to see Sam and I, it's what we say that matters even on those. So feel free to take that step on your phone right now and download those videos. That's a great suggestion because I think it's been said a number of times that we both have a great face for radio. Oh yeah, that's totally it. A voice for radio and a face to match. All right, so now away from the comedy, if you think of everything that that is happening, there's all of these deployments. Right. Maybe you move your stores moving to cutting edge. Maybe you picked up GPS uh, a year ago or the shoulder surfing uh, 18 months ago or the dashboard 18 months ago. And if you're listening, you fell into one of three camps. You're one of those. I'm on board. Let's go. And you're the cheerleader arms up running. Exactly. Sam is literally cheering as I'm speaking. You're on the other end of the spectrum. This is stupid. This won't work. We don't need technology. We just need to get the pizzas in the oven. I know what I'm doing. Nobody from some building can tell me what to do. And then the rest of you were probably somewhere in the middle. 
Let's see how this goes. That leader determines exactly how the store took that process. And if you think you had a rough time with cutting edge because you didn't like it and it was stupid, congrats, you're right. Ready, set, go is exactly the same. It is a process rollout and how you want to accept the change and your attitude going into it matters. Probably I'm making up a number, Sam, what do you think? Three times more than the actual training <laughs> it does? I'd say, Drew, I'd say 10 times more, maybe a hundred times more. You remember back to episode one when we interviewed Kevin Shaw and he was talking about the importance of the leader going in with high energy and positivity and understanding that, yes, there will be some roadblocks and yes, we're going to acknowledge those. But the moment after we acknowledge them, we're also going to start working on solutions. What drives me crazy on the general manager's best practice page is not the fact that people are pointing out roadblocks. What I don't like is when you point out a roadblock in the next voice or in the next word, you're not saying, and here are some solutions we're thinking of. What do you think of? Winners win, losers whine. Winners look for solutions. Losers look for problems. I've got no problem with you identifying all the challenges when a new process comes out, whether it's cutting edge, whether it's ready, set, go, heck, whether it's putting pepperoni under the dough. I don't care what the process is. The key, like Drew just said, is the leader's got to be on board. And, and Drew, I think we, we got just an amazing real world example of how important that can be when we were down in Anthony's stores. I just want to say right now, Sam, half the listeners are rewinding going, what do you mean pepperoni under dough? <laughs> I wasn't supposed to say that on this episode. Oh gosh. I forget you ever heard that right now. I'm holding up that thing that uh, they held up in men in black and I'm about to bleep your memory. Wow. You know, I thought that was a current reference. And then I realized that first movie is like 23 years old. So it's not actually a current reference anymore. Well, it's current for us because we're like a hundred. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So back to back to last weekend with Anthony stores. So let's, I'm going to share a little bit of data with you. We have two leaders in the store. The store does not have a general manager. So you have two assistants running the store. You have a Thursday with AM one and a, I'm sorry, a Friday with AM one and a Saturday with AM two. AM one looks at what we're doing and says, cool, this makes sense. I can do it. And runs a 1.7 load. Sam, would you take a 1.7 load? I'd take a 1.7 load. And I, I think it's key to let everybody know that AM1 had one driver and no other insiders. So it was one and one for lunch. Some of you may be like, but, but Drew and Sam, we're, we've been talking about not just about load. It's about wait time. The wait time wasn't a 1.7. It was a three. I'll take that. I'll take a 4.7 combined all day long. Everything was going out the door between 11 and 13 minutes. Score. So we ran a 17 minute delivery time for AM1. I think it's really important to also recognize that when we were in there Thursday night and we were we were setting this whole thing up and we were letting people know what the expectations were, what they were about to experience, how it was going to be different. And AM1 was there that night. And that particular AM could not have been more open-minded about it. And the drivers were all in. They were extremely excited about it. And I'm going to go out on a limb, Drew, and correct me if I'm wrong. But I don't think they were excited and out on a limb because this is the craziest, funnest idea ever in the history in the world. I think they were all in because of the way that we sold it. I'll say our sell job was 40% and her attitude was 60. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. The nuts and bolts of what we were selling was very small. Her willingness to do it was huge and our ability to sell certainly had something to do with it. I'm with you on that. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So, so now let me back up a second because Sam mentions Thursday. When we were there Thursday, AM2 was getting ready to leave. And 
we're, we're starting the sell, but he's leaving in like an hour. So we're not really pushing hard on him because it wasn't worth our time at that moment. He's leaving in an hour. He was semi busy. Uh, we walked into a nine minute load, but here's the kicker for me. We walked into a nine minute load with, I think it was 11 minutes on the screen when we showed up and we asked, do you need help? No, I got it. Five minutes later, when it's still 10 minutes on the screen, and mind you, we're only talking like three orders. Do you need a hand? We're here. We can help. No, it's fine. I can do this, said the captain of the Titanic as it's sinking. And I think here's what's really important, Drew. I, I don't think that, and Stan put this really well when we asked him, he said, you know, the people that need to hear this probably aren't listening. So I want to kind of frame this up for the people that are listening of how you can use this. You've all got that captain of the Titanic or you've all worked with that person. You got to let that ship sink that night so that when you are having a debrief or when you are watching the game film, you can let them know, you know what, you had help right there and somebody asked and you said no. I'm curious why you said no. And I think what you're going to find is that people that don't have the skill set that you need them to have or the attitude that you need them to have think that asking for help is a sign of weakness. And as a leader, you've got to instill in your team, especially the ones that are just learning that asking for help is a sign of strength that every decision they make, they put the customer's best interest in mind. And even though I want to be able to say, yes, I handled the make line on my own. What I'd really like to be able to say is that, yes, I took the very best care of the customers I could with the resources I had. And when these two goofballs from Michigan came in and said, would you like some help? I couldn't have said yes faster because I knew that would get the customers to pizzas faster. I'm going to say this one more time. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. Asking for help is a sign of strength. It's that situational awareness, right? If, and Sam, I got to be honest, if you came into my store and, and I'm at the tail end of, of that crazy, right? The, the 12 minute order, that's eight different items. And I had an, uh, an order on the screen before that. So it's got stuck on the phone and, and now like one orders, maybe 14 minutes. And then there's a bunch and you came over, I might look at you and say, give me 90 seconds. And then ask again, I might look at you and go, give me two minutes. Or if the phone rings again, yes. Right. I might qualify it because I might look at that and go, I'm not that far off. And by the time he puts an apron on and washes his hands, I can get there. Understand that this wasn't the case. Quick math told us he was going to be running a nine to 15 minute load for the next 15, 20 minutes because of how many orders and items were on the screen. Now, Sam, I want to share, though, that I had this exact thing happen yesterday. Walk into a store. I've got four supervisors in the store doing the class. I have three franchisees with me. And they've got two insiders and four drivers, which gives you an idea of volume for, um, gosh, what was it, 2.30 on a Wednesday. And they're at nine minutes on the screen, about 11 items down. And me being me, I walk over to the AM and I'm like, so I just want to let you know, there's a few qualified people in the store that could help you. All you've got to do is ask. Uh-huh. Okay. I walk away. The supervisors, God bless them, did what they were supposed to do. Because once I threw that flag up, they knew that they should continue with their visit because I teach the supervisors not to just put the apron on and take over, but to wait for the management to ask for help. Five minutes go by. Low times are now three minutes higher, and there's now five more items on the screen. So we are not removing the water from the ship. It's sinking us. I walk over masked six inches from this fabulous AM go, you know, you could ask for help and we would totally help you right now, but you have to ask. And she looks at me and goes, how do I ask? And I say, just like that. She's like, so you'll help. Yes. 
four people jump on the line in about two minutes. And in another two minutes, oof, they're all caught up and cleared. Sometimes it takes a nudge. Our AMB, there was no nudging. I love the way you approached that yesterday. And, you know, honestly, I was there with you in Cleveland and I think we approached it the right way. I agree. This is what I would tell my listeners or our listeners, if, if you're a multi-unit supervisor, when Drew and I walk into a store, we know very little about the people in there. So we tread very lightly and we are more than willing to help. If they ask, we always offer. And I would say we're probably pretty aggressive in the offer, but if they don't ask, we are not going to jump in. We don't want to make them feel bad. If I was a multi-unit supervisor and I walked into a store like maybe yesterday and I'm just guessing that maybe this assistant was a little on the newer side, I I, I don't know that for a fact because I wasn't there. But if I'm the supervisor, I'm going to say, hey, if you want help, where do you want me to be? And I'm going to be pretty aggressive about it. And if things don't don't get better in the next 60 to 90 seconds, I'm going to say it again because I want to make sure I'm doing what I can for the customers. And this is what's important, supervisors. Please leave your Superman cape in the car and ask the person that's in charge, where would you like me to help? And if they put you in what you think is the worst spot for you, then you should just go there. And then when you're done, you can debrief and let them know what your skill set is and where you think you might have been more helpful, but you can't take over. And if they keep saying no, and I was the supervisor, I might kind of just make my way to the end of the make line and just kind of ease my way into helping them because maybe they're scared of asking for help. It sounds like this AM last night not only didn't know how to ask, but maybe thought you were setting them up for, for something later. Oh my God, we had to help you. I, you know, I don't know. We've got to put our teams at ease so that they understand that when a pair of capable hands comes in the store, not only is it okay to ask, but they should. I'm going to say this one more time. I know I said I was only going to say it one more time, but I'm going to say it again because you need to hear it and you need to live it and you need to teach your team members this. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. And we've got to ask for help when it's available, especially if it's in within your four walls, if that's what's going to be best for our customers. Our egos have got to take a backseat to our customers. Well, Sam, I got I to gotta toot a horn for a supervisor. It's day two of the class. And my man, Sean Jameson, put his apron on, washed his hands, got over to about three feet away from the AM and said, where do you want me? And then the other three supervisors right in line every about 19 seconds <laughs> asked, where do you want me? That's the next summer Olympic sport, synchronized supervision help. I know I'm, I'm going to divert a little bit here, but oh my gosh, you have, you have literally eight qualified people, three franchisees, four supervisors, some tall consultant schmuck guy. Oh my God, we could clear a line in 90 seconds. There's no amount of volume. That group couldn't show up and clear out. Shane Casey. There's no amount of volume that group couldn't clear out. All you got to do is ask. And it's not a prideful thing to ask for help. It's about the customer. And, and as long as you're thinking customer first and Sam, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here because I know our listeners, most of them want to be better. Most of them are listening because they're looking for tips and tricks to, to improve. And they're not in this group. However, I bet that AM that they hired six weeks ago might be where they know the GM next door is. So here's the tips and tricks that they're looking for. And it goes exactly with what we're talking about. Stephen Covey wrote a book called The Speed of Trust. Once your AMs trust you, once they trust that when you say, where do you want me, you mean it. And you're going to be the best soldier they've got. You're not going to hijack their shift. You're not going to belittle them in front of the team. You're going to go in there and, you know, I've walked into stores that were just getting their rear ends handed to them and they didn't know me or my skill set. And I said, put me to work. Where do you want me? And they've put me on box labels. And I went over to the label and I was the best box labeler they'd ever seen. And there was no murmurs of, 
you know, I'd be better used if you put me on the dough because I'm probably as fast or faster than anybody you've got here. That doesn't help during the heat of the battle. If they say go put stickers on boxes, go be the best box sticker honor. I think those are all words that they've ever seen. And look for what you would have whoever's doing labels for side work when you get all the labels up. Start restocking the boxes. Start cleaning stuff up. Start looking at the make line and saying, hey, do you need some sausage? I can go grab that for you. Be their very best team member, whatever position they put you on. And for our listeners who have that can-do attitude and can look around the store and see what needs to be done, what you need to start doing when you go in is seeing what needs to be done to help develop the person that's running the shift because you're not always going to be there. And the more you can develop them, the better the customers are going to get, the better experiences the customers are going to get for the long term. And that's what your real job is. Not the customer service today, the customer service for the long term and developing your people if you're a multi-unit type leader. I have this feeling, whatever, 20-ish, 25 minutes in, we might be starting to beat a dead horse. So let me, let me talk about something else that, that happened. I, I gave them my prep report. And if you want the prep report, all you got to do is ask for it and I'll give it to you. We gave the store the prep report and we said, here's the deal. Prep report shows you absolutely with your sales volume, what you've got to put in your cabinet, what you've got to prep for sides, sauce, how much dough you're going to use. Just so uh, I'm on the same page. Are, are we back in uh, Ohio now? Yes. Yes. We show up at 10 a.m. Store opens at 1030. Here's the prep report. Here's what you got to do. You got this. Yes. What what does this mean? It means I got to put two bags of onions in the in the cabinet. Great. So here's what I need you to do. AM one, the one AM that we've been talking about that we liked. AM one, load up this make line, check off everything on the prep list, get it all in there so that we can run the best Friday night dinner rush we can. Let me jump in there for just a second. We liked both the AMs. They were both great people. It's one was a better operator than the other. Just uh, just in case AM2 is listening, which I'm quite certain they're not. I agree with that statement. Actually, both statements. I'll cut to the chase, listeners. Your rush is the final exam from high school. The amount of work you put in before the final exam is the amount of stress and hard work and anxiety you have during the final exam. So, so it's, it's that inverse, right? The less work I put in, the more stress I'm going to have. Prep and your rush are the same. We were running around like crazy people on a Friday night trying to get prep done. And we were still making pans and twists. What, Sam, an hour and a half into the dinner rush, we were making them on the fly. Yep. It wasn't needed because we, we didn't prioritize studying for the test. We just prioritized the test. And I think here's what's, what's important because Drew, you've heard this and I know I've heard it. And they're like, yeah, I knew what I needed to prep. I just simply didn't have time. The reality of the situation is you're going to prep everything sooner or later. Are you going to do it when you should be making pizzas? Or are you going to do it before? And if you say, well, that's means I've got to get there 30 minutes earlier. Would you rather be there 30 minutes earlier or 45 minutes later? Because if your prep's not done, you're going to be looking at 15, 16, 25, 30 minute load times at the end, which means the rush could have been over 30 minutes prior. If you would have taken that 30 minutes beforehand, let's just think of the upside to taking the 30 minutes beforehand and getting the prep done. And 30 minutes is obviously not enough to get all the prep done, but we'll just throw that number out. So all the prep's done. That makes the rush. Drew, does that make the rush easier or harder? Ooh, Alex, I'll take what is easier for 400. Excellent. Getting the prep done. Does that make your life more stressful or less stressful during the rush? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm going to pick less stressful, please. And finally, oh, and this is double jeopardy. Today's daily double. If you get all the prep done before the rush, does that give your customers a better experience or a worse experience? Ooh, customer experience. Jeremy Hill would say that should have been the first question, but we're trying to drive a point home. So yes, that would make a better customer experience. 
And Jeremy, if you're listening, that was the daily double and the highest value question. So I think you would agree with that. We hit the easy ones first. So let's all congratulate today's champion, Drew Helmholtz. I can't stress enough. Prep, 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 prep. I just don't understand why it's it's so difficult. So Saturday, when we came back and we might have not had the greatest lunch ever. Actually, Sam, I think I want to let you talk about the lunch and I want to talk about the prep and my little Great Wall of China impersonation I did. So why don't you talk about what we walked into for after lunch on Saturday? We walked in there first. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll back just a little bit. We walked in there at about 10 o'clock and we gave AM one the prep list to get all AM2. this stuff done. AM two. And uh, here's the prep list and get this stuff done. And this was after Friday, we had walked in and we asked AM1 to set a goal. And that person set a goal of a three minute load, knocked it out of the park. 1.7. So we walked in Saturday, gave AM2 the prep list, said we ran 1.7 yesterday. You've got one more driver today. I don't know how Saturdays are in this store. I'm guessing they're going to be a little bit busier than Fridays. This person said, well, I'm a little bit slower than they are. So I'm going to say I can get a six minute load. So right off the bat, I'm thinking to myself, you don't really understand what we're trying to accomplish here. If you're going to set a goal for a six minute load, or you've just conditioned yourself over the previous months that, you know, six minutes is okay because that would be way better than nine or 10 or 11. So I said, let's be a little bit more aggressive. You know, I, I don't expect to, you get 1.7, but how about four? And they agreed to the four minute load. And I looked at him and said, I know you can do it. Knock yourself out, get that prep done. So Drew and I, we go and have lunch. We come back to the store at 3.30. We walk in and things aren't going well. In fact, AM1 from Friday was actually driver one on Saturday. And, and we rewarded AM1 on Friday for doing such a great job. And we, we threw a reward out for, do, for hitting the goals on Saturday as well. And I gave AM1 Friday, driver one Saturday, my cell number. And I said, text me at three o'clock and let me know what the numbers are. So I know whether or not we need to, to pick up. We offered them all Starbucks. And I said, text me your order. We'll pick it up. We'll bring it back. We'll, we'll celebrate the win again. So Drew, I think you were looking at my phone. You were looking at my phone when that text came in and it said, uh, things not going quite as planned. I'm like, uh Oh, so we walk in to the store and the load times were 13.6. 13.6. Now, granted, they'd done twice as much on Saturday that they had done on Friday, but without giving up the goat on the numbers, I would tell you that what they did on Saturday would have been a very poor half hour on a Friday night dinner. So you do the math there and figure out what that is. And AM2 had two drivers instead of just one. So silver lining, silver lining, the wait time was all of about two minutes. So the out the door was still like, I think the out the door was like 19 or 20. And I think their delivery times were running like 27. So the customers were getting fresh pizzas and they were getting them in under 30 minutes, but still a huge contrast to what they were getting on Friday. And from our perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, Drew, but from our perspective, it had little to nothing to do with the change in business. And it had everything to do with, you know, as our friend John Gordon would say, who's driving your bus? Do they know where the bus is headed? Because I think this particular bus had the right people in the passenger seats. The drivers were on board with what we were trying to get done. The problem was the driver of the bus just had no idea at all what we were trying to accomplish. So to reference an older movie, if you don't have a driver on the bus or the driver on your bus isn't actually driving, then you look like Thelma and Louise and the bus goes all over the cliff. Yeah. And it's not a cool Thunderbird with the top down. It is a flaming dumpster fire. Here's the other thing that was pretty apparent to me from Friday to Saturday. One of those days, there was an extreme sense of urgency 
in a desire to take great care of customers. And the other day there was not. I struggle with that mightily. I get it that you're not the fastest pizza maker. Hey, we can work on that. We can get more reps in. We can get you from a two minute pepperoni to a 90 second pepperoni to a 75 second to a 60 to a 45. We can do that with training. But what I can't train, what I can't teach you this is situational awareness to understand that it's time to start moving faster, to understand that when you come in for your shift, you should check and make sure that the screen is clear, not that the garbage is out or not. It's so important to be aware of what's going on and teach your guys that. My guess is we're not talking to the folks that need to do the learning. We're talking to the people that need to do the developing. So instead of getting frustrated with people and saying, my God, why are you taking the garbage out? Why aren't you up here? You might start asking them questions. Hey, what do you see on the screen? You're taking the garbage out. What do you think would serve the customer the best right now? You've got to develop your team members. I think one of the things that separates my development from the development that AMs are getting now is that we had a lot more downtime and we every single manager that was in a store had been trained, had been developed by another competent manager. And I think we've lost that today. So if you're a leader that's a multi-unit leader and you had the luxury of being developed by somebody that knew what they were doing, pass that luxury down to your team and don't expect that they're going to know everything that you know because they don't. It's up to you to teach them. And if you tell them once, don't expect that they're just going to get it. You've got to tell them again and again and again. And if you can do those 10, 15 second situational learnings where it's fresh, where the wound is fresh, then it's going to stick more. All right. So now I want to, I want to talk about some fun. I mentioned earlier in a little tease that I became the great wall of China. So let me explain what happened. Anthony brought in two supervisors to see what we were doing so that they could take it to their stores. And it's five o'clock and AM2 has not completed the prep list. So I have one of the supervisors get the crew together and say, we have 15 minutes to get the store ready for the dinner rush. Here's the prep list. You do this, you do this. And he assigns the tasks because there was no one driving the bus. The supervisor hopped in the seat. They take 15 minutes and I'm, I'm looking at the supervisor. I'm like, are you ready? And he's like, yes. Why? I'm like, because I'm going to stand in front of your walk-in and the only thing you're allowed to get out of the walk-in are salads because we had nowhere else to store them. And the dough, because the dough was fully completely proof. So they were pulling it two trays at a time, a minute or you know, a couple of minutes before they needed it. So that was the only reason you could go into the walk-in. Anything else, I'm not going to allow. Now, let's be honest. I'm going to allow it because the customer needs their sausage or their chicken wings, whatever we forgot to load into the walk into the cabinet. But the point of the exercise was to show them how much time they waste by running to the walk-in during your dinner rush five times. So we had six total people, Sam, loading that store up for prep. And still we had five times in a two-hour window where people had to run to the back to get something out of the walk-in that was not salads and was not dough. You know, we learned that on Friday as well. You may remember when we were in there with AM1 and we were doing the prep list and the first order came up. And the first order had sausage and bacon and there was no bacon in the, in the cabinet and there was no bacon on the rail as well. So AM1 had to go to the cooler, get the bacon and put it in. And she was still doing a, a great job. That pizza still got in in under two minutes. And you may recall, Drew, that we said, hey, how long did it take you to go to the walk-in? AM1 said, you know, I think it was less than a minute. I said it was. And you still got the pizza in in under two minutes. Imagine if you will. If the bacon had been up there and you didn't have to spend that 45 seconds going to the walk-in to get it, what would your load time have been then? I don't know if you saw it, but I saw it plain as day. The light bulb went on above her head and she got it. And then when we went on to say, and this is really important, listeners, when you're developing your team, you get your average load time during the slow times. That's when you're trying to pad that number. That's when you're attacking the digital shoulder surfing and you're getting those zero loads or those five second loads so that when it's busy and you can't possibly keep up, 
or maybe you can, but there's already some in there that are going to average out to where you want to be. And I think what I've seen, and, and Drew, maybe you've seen it as well when you visit stores, is people are so caught up on handling the rush and getting those load times during the rush. And then when there's only one pizza in the middle of the afternoon, they think, oh, I've got time. That's when you got to be padding that number. That's when you've got to be getting it in as quickly as you possibly can because a zero minute load and a six minute load, guess what they average out to? A three minute um, load. Three. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you've got to be attacking it all the time. And I think once we drilled that through and we had that opportunity, I mean, that opportunity was not something that we planned when we went in to do that prep sheet, but that opportunity reared its head and you and I both jumped all over it as a training moment. And I think out of anything that we said to AM number one, I think that was the most impactful on her 1.7 that day was that she understood how much of an impact that DSS and being ready for it could make because she lived it. We put it in real time. We put numbers around it and there was no arguing it. It wasn't, oh, this has been our experience and this is what could happen. It happened. And we were able to put numbers around it and show her, as far as I'm concerned, the light went on as bright as day. So for those of you listening, Am and I sell easy. Yeah. That's what we sell. We're going we're gonna to ask you to do some hard stuff now to make it easy later. Or you could be easy now and want to quit later. That's pretty much what the dichotomy is here. And oh my gosh, I just said dichotomy. That was awesome. You're upset that you don't have enough people. You don't know where the people are coming from. Remove the obstacles, make their lives easier. Prepping, finding a CSR to come in at 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock, ensure that the prep is done for the dinner rush is the easiest way to make everyone's life easier. And I know all of you have at least someone that can do that. So let's make it easy. It doesn't need to be hard. We're not putting a ship, a spaceship on the moon. We're not launching the CEO into space. We're not trying to cure a pandemic. I'm not trying to find garbage men to deliver the trash, which I don't know why that's a massive shortage, but I can understand as I say it, why it's a massive shortage. Oh my gosh, we're just making pizzas. Make it easy because it should be. Hey, Drew, you remember back in episode 11 when we talked to Dan and Emily Elwell in front of that live studio audience of hundreds. Hundreds. One of the things that Dan said that we've got to do as leaders is we've got to remove the suck from the job. And for me, nothing sucks more about the job than going through a rush unprepared. If I know I'm going to be understaffed, if I know that I don't have enough horses in the barn, I'm going to darn well make sure that I've got everything I need before the rush to make it as easy as possible. I'm not going to sit around going, woe is me. We don't have enough people. This is going to suck. I can't wait until it's over. I'm going to say, woe is me. We don't have enough people. Okay. What can we do to make it as good as possible? And how long can I sustain great times before I take on too much water? Cause I don't have enough people. And to me, that's the challenge that I set for myself is how long can I keep up with this so it's not going to take as long to recover if I don't have enough people. And sometimes with enough preparation, you'll surprise the heck out of yourself and you'll get through it with great service times, even though you didn't have enough people. You're going to be whipped. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be physically and mentally demanding and it's going to be hard. But what it's not going to be is demoralizing. What it's not going to be is customers calling you and adding to the suck saying, where's my pizza? I ordered it 45 minutes ago, an hour ago. Think about all of those calls. If you eliminated them, how much more time you'd have to take care of the rush. Drew said it. I'm going to say it. Prep, then prep, and then just for giggles, prep some more. Make sure that you're ready to rock and roll. I, I have the paddle. I'm about to beat the dead horse. Sam, I don't understand why we don't understand what prep is because so AM2, we came in and horrible load times, fine wait times were near zero because he was just slow enough to keep up with the drivers. Yes, Sam. I understand why we don't understand what prep is, but what it comes down to is what I said, I don't know, five minutes ago 
is that we've got people in stores running shifts that haven't had the luxury of being developed by people that know what's going on. We've got franchisees that have gone from one store to four stores to 17 stores, and they, and they quite frankly haven't had the numbers to develop their people. So I get it why we don't understand what prep is. I understand the gap in the knowledge. What we've got to do as leaders, especially our multi-unit leaders, is we've got to go in there thinking they don't know what I know, and that's why I'm where I'm at, and that's why they are where they're at, and now it's my job to develop them. So, so to me, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I think I do understand why they don't know what prep is, and I think it's our job to teach them. So, uh, so teach on, my friend. We have this prep report. You put in the sales, it uses your mix, tells you how much onions you need, green peppers you need, farm bites, whatever. Everything you need is on this one sheet, day one, AM1. Can you complete this sheet by 3.30? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do something like this every day. Okay, so that, as we've talked, no one knows what prep is. So that was FIB1. Okay, fine. We get back, 3.30. Is your prep list done? Yes. Open the cabinet. No, it's not. Okay, I'm not asking for rocket science here. There's no math involved. It's literally find onion, says two bags, put two bags in the cabinet. Did you do that? Yes. There are no onions in the cabinet. AM two on Saturday or below times. Check marks down the prep list. Did you complete the prep list? Yes, I did. I can see the check marks on the prep list. He's like, thank you. So if I open the cabinet, I will see three bags of onions. Yes. There's not an onion in the cabinet. Okay. I this is Sam where I don't understand. Am I speaking a foreign language? Did I suddenly revert to like ancient Greek while I was asking these questions? <laughs> and again, I jump in and I would say that AM2, knowing AM2 as well as we know him now, would say, you said to prep it and I did. You didn't say put it in the cabinet. And, you know, back to virtual training event number one, where we talked about full-fledged clear expectations. I think as silly as it is, Drew, you and I have got to shoulder the responsibility on that one. And we didn't give him a full-fledged expectation. We told him to prep and he prepped all of that food. It was done because you'll remember you grabbed me and said, let's go shopping in the walk-in cooler and everything was prepped, but it wasn't where it needed to be. And, and I get your frustration and multi-unit supervisors, I get your frustration. My goodness. We've got to tell them to put it in the cabinet. Yes, you do. It's got to be a full-fledged, no way to misunderstand expectation. And, you know, as far as the lists and the checks, I mean, maybe there's two columns. There's a prepped column and there's an in the cabinet column and they've got to check it off. And the things that are going to help your lists, because Drew just said, you know, we opened that cabinet and I'm telling you, it was nothing. There was nothing in there. The cabinet was completely void of any food. And then about four o'clock, two CSRs came in and AM2 had no idea what direction to give them. I mean, if he'd have, I mean, let's say he was busy for lunch, which he wasn't, but let's say he was, and he just simply didn't have enough hands to get the prep done. I get that. That's understandable. We've all been in that situation. But for goodness sake, if I've got a prep list and I know where I'm at and I prioritized what has to get done first, the second somebody walks in for their shift after I say, hi, how you doing? Welcome to work. Let's get ready to rock and roll. I need you to do A, B, and C first. There was none of that. Not only was AM2 not ready to go, but once people started coming in to help, he had no idea. I don't know if he even knew there was a bus in the parking lot. That's a fair way to put that. I mean, <laughs> there was no direction, no communication. What we've got here is failure to communicate. There was nothing. And it was just la di da di da di. Here we are collecting our wage. And the customers are the ones that are suffering. And you know, AM1, like I said, was driver one. And there were several glances being passed back and forth between AM1 and Drew and I. And it was just, 
It was just crazy. Everyone in the store knew AM2 wasn't a leader. Oh boy, did they ever. Every CSR, every driver. I'm certain even if we asked the customers, they would have known that AM2 is not the leader. However, I want to tell you a story about lunch when Sam and I had lunch. I'm just going to throw this out there and I'm absolutely going to let you tell the story. But Stan Gage, if you're listening, we are an old married couple because I'm thinking, tell the story about lunch. So here we go, lunch. We're having lunch and it's one of the places where you walk down the counter and kind of give them your order and then wait at the end for them to finish it. And so we're sitting near enough because as consultants, that's just what we do. I sit near where the people are that are working so I can hear what they're saying because I love to hear what interactions come from behind the counter. Because as you well know, if you're standing behind the counter, your employee, your customers can't really hear anything that's being said over the counter. That would be a lie. <laughs> they hear everything. And we just forget that. And just one point of order on the story. I was actually still at the counter and there's a good chance I was doing some baiting. Yes. Yes. Sam may have been throwing the reel out and trying to hook them in, but that's 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 neither here nor there for the story because the result i think would have been the same (laughs) but spoiler alert they were biting the crew and and there's six people in there the crew is talking about how four of them four of the six just came back because they got rid of the one shift leader who sucked and was a cancer and everyone hated working for him because he made their lives miserable so they all quit And then as soon as that shift leader was gone, these folks all came back and we heard this because it was their all, it was their first Saturday back together. I tell you this because episode after episode, we hear you guys staffing, staffing, staffing. I can't control the applicant flow to my store, but I can control my team leaving me. Your team is leaving you. If you're listening, not because of you. Your team is leaving you if you're listening because of someone else in your store. Because I'm assuming if you're listening, you want to do well, you want to be good because those that don't, don't look for ways to develop. Oh my gosh, get rid of the air quotes leader in your store that is not leading. Get rid of the negative influence. Get rid of the cancer in your store because it just spreads. And it makes other people miserable and they will quit because there's so many other places they can go today. And let's be real honest, Drew. It's real easy for you and I. You're sitting in a hotel. I'm sitting at the world headquarters of Fowser Consulting, sitting behind a microphone. It's very easy for us to say, get rid of the cancer so that you can grow your team. And I'm sure some of our listeners are saying, listen, you guys are out of touch you haven't been in a store in a while and you don't understand somebody's got to open the doors tonight. Let's think about Drew's story at lunch. Would you like to open the door with one person or with four? Because those are the choices you're making. And you know, Drew, you've got some clients and I've got some clients that are absolutely taking the hard line of addition through subtraction. And it is causing them some pain right now. And when I say pain, I'm not saying extra shifts. I'm saying I've got some clients that have had to close stores for lunch because they didn't have anybody to open the door, but they understand the importance of getting the right people on the bus because they're in this for the long term. I think that is the hardest lesson to learn. If I'm running that store we were in, I've got to find a way to make sure that AM2 is in a position that they can be of value and not detracting from my team. Because what if AM2 stays and I lose AM1, the one that had the 1.7 as opposed to the, I don't know, 5,000 minute load time. These things are real and they're happening and they're tough decisions. If you're a leader, you've got to make the tough decisions. And there's going to be times or it seems like there's no good decision. You're right. Sometimes there are no good decisions. You've got to take the least of the evils and making sure that you've got the right people on the bus should always be at the front of your mind because you will never take great care of your customers. If you don't have the right people on your bus. All right, Sam, I I think we've been uh, beating this dead horse for a while. So I want to, I want to switch it up just a little bit. We introduced 
on our virtual training event, the new hotness priority. And we showed that store, the new hotness priority. And what is the number one priority? Routing, getting those pizzas out when they're ready. And we've been talking a lot about load time today. We have. And we've been doing that because believe it or not, their wait times were actually crazy good. I mean, when we walked in, we were told we're not going to run service here till we find staff. And they were running less than a three minute wait for the three days we were there. So we're focusing on load time, not because that was our focus. We're focusing on the load time because that was the part that was broken. Their wait time wasn't broken. And if they actually lowered their load time, they probably could have, well, a 1.7 ran a 17 ADT. So we can get there and, and we, can, we can see what can happen when one side of the business is broken and the other isn't. Now that said, Sam, I, I want to ask you a, a question because I ran into this this week talking about dispatch and, and that being, being the number one priority. Ask away. Here's my choose your own adventure. Let's say you're alone in the store and you're on the oven because a pizza's coming out and you've been told dispatch is the number one priority. If you got a pizza coming out, you've got, it's the last thing of the order. There's no one else in the store with you and there's an order on the make line. Check. I got it. Okay. Sam Fowser, five years ago, you cut the pizza. What do you do? Go back to the make line and get that pizza in. Cool. Sam Fowser today dispatches the number one priority. What do you do? I make sure that that order is in a bag. I've got all my sides ready and I'm going to check my driver dashboard. And if my guy is orange, I'm going to wait right there till he's in the geofence. And as soon as he's in the geofence, I am going to clock him in. I'm going to clock him out. And if there's no customers in the store, I'm going to run that run out to him. If there are customers in the store, I'm just going to make sure it's ready for him. And then I'm driving him to get in and out. Because quite frankly, it does me no good to get that next order in if the first order isn't out. So folks, if you want to make movement with the staff you have, that's the thinking you've got to have. It's the big game. It's the long, it's the long picture. It's, it's looking downfield, right? It's such a different thought process because for someone like me for 25 years, it has been get it in the oven, get it in the oven, get it in the oven. And yes, it is about getting in the oven only after everything else is done. As we're traipsing through this, this period of not having enough people, we've got to make sure that we're diligent on understanding that getting ready orders out the door have got to happen. There's no sense filling your hot rack with a bunch of orders so that you have a load time you can be proud of. Because I want to have customer experiences I can be proud of. We need to rehumanize this experience and getting people pizzas hot is what it's all about. And if you want more information on that, go to trainwithbty.com and click the shop button and grab the video from our last virtual training event because we go through the entire process on how to do this. Or you could go to train with BTY like the ad we're about to run is going to say and sign up for VTE3. All these little snippets that we're doing, these are a great way for you to resharpen your pencil or sharpen it for the first time and understand what's going on. Drew and I have the luxury of spending lots and lots of times with lots and lots of different leaders. And we're doing everything we can to stay current with what the brand wants to get done and what's best for the customers. And, you know, Drew said it earlier that what we sell is easy. If you've ever been in one of my workshops, we'll go through and I'll ask you what your goals are for the workshop. And occasionally a team member will ask me, what are your goals? And my goals are always the same regardless of the content. I want to make your job easier and I want to make your job more fun. That's my goal. If I can accomplish that in a one day or two day workshop, making your job easier and making it more fun, I just wish that every general manager out there today could have the same experience that I had when I was a general manager eons ago. Because to me, it was the best job in the world. I got to choose my schedule. I got to choose who I worked for or who I worked with. 
And, you know, I had zero issues with nights, weekends, and holidays. You know, Tuesday and Wednesday was my weekend. And when I went to the movies, nobody else was there because they were all going on the weekend. And when I played golf, no one else was on the course because they were all doing it on the weekend. So to me, I want, I want the young men and women of today to have the same great experiences that I had. And we've got to make sure that we're doing everything we can to humanize the experience for the customer and make the job easier for you. We've got to make the job easier for you. And doing these things like ready, set, go is going to take a lot of stress out of your, out of your job. And you're going to start to feel a sense of accomplishment when you start, when you start accomplishing things. I mean, Drew, we haven't really talked much about the results at, at, uh, in Cleveland that they had Friday night. Do you recall what their EADT was the previous Friday we were there? 41. And then what was it the night that AM1 set the day on fire with that 1.7 load? And I think the EADT was in the teens, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 17 till five o'clock. We fell off a little bit at night and ended at a 21. So they went from 41 to 21? I'm sorry. Our first night was 21. It was 23 on Friday. I'm sorry. Okay. So they went from 41 to 23. They dropped their EADT by 18 minutes by focusing on getting the ready pizzas out the door and making sure that they were prepped and attacking the DSS. And if I recall, there were a couple of hiccups on Friday night, weren't there? There were. Didn't we have some call-ins? I mean, I know our listeners aren't dealing with that. I mean, they're never no. having call-ins or people showing up no. late. No, we had one call out, one 30-minute late. Yeah, so, so the last thing we'll leave you with on this Cleveland story and the importance of situational awareness and understanding what's going on. One of the things we talked about in VTE2 was doing a position chart. And I, if I've got drivers, I would have their end times on that position chart so I've got it readily available and I can look at it because we were at a point and, and you'll recall this pretty distinctly, Drew, I think we were at a point where a driver was coming in at five o'clock and we had runs on the screen that if that driver showed up on time, we were going to send singles. And if that driver was going to be late, we were going to end up sending a double. And we asked the manager in charge on a scale of one to 10, what's the likelihood of this driver coming in on time? And they said, um, yeah, they'll be 15 minutes late. So if you know that, I, I, I mean, we could get into a whole nother episode about scheduling. If you know, they're going to be late and holding people accountable. Oh, heck, you could go to virtual training event number one and listen to that. But that made us decide how we were going to route based on that. And if we knew that person was going to be on time, we could have sent a single and had that other one ready. And you remember as drivers were coming in, Drew, on that Friday night, they were experiencing something they'd never experienced before because you and I were kind of cracking the whip because we had, we had runs in the bags for every driver that came in and we're like, get your bank, let's go. And I was grabbing car top signs and pushing them out the door. And they knew from the moment they walked in on Friday night that something was different. Something was about to change. And I was the one doing the running and you were doing the routing. Other than that, we didn't do anything in the store. And Sam, even that, we only did that from five to five 30 because of the folks being late. And then right. at five 30, they had the staff. Yeah. 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 The drivers, when you take a, a run out to the car and you look at them and say, Hey, the only thing you got to do tonight is drive around and collect tips. You should see how much they were smiling. And my bet is they were taking that smile to the door. And they were helping to rehumanize that experience at the door and give customers a great experience. It also helps that it was like 87 and felt like 97. So them staying in their AC probably helped the smile too. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little warm that night. I'm not sure we affected their tips a lot that night, but if that kind of service continues to happen, it's going to start to affect their tips over the long run. That's going to help to affect how much they make, which could help affect their retention, and then your drivers might start to become your best recruiters. So all kinds of things to be gained by Ready, Set, Go. I don't know, Drew, what 
what what is there to be lost? What's the downside? Ooh, downside. Let's see the downside to this. Sarcastically, your life gets easier and your job gets more fun. Yeah, that's the downside. Realistically, if you believe that that's your downside, then then you should be promoted to customer. No kidding. And you know, there's a chance that we ran into somebody that just was not on board and wasn't going to get on board and their promotion should be probably in the works as we talk about. All right, let's wrap this talk training up. This has uh, been, I think, our longest talk training session in the history of the world, or at least in the history of our 17 episodes. Let's hear an ad for virtual training event number three. Hey, Drew, we've got two virtual trainings in and the listeners are telling us that they want more. I hear that too, Sam. So you know what? Let's do it. Let's go for October 26th for Drew and Sam Talk Training Virtual Training Event 3. I like it. Let's discuss effective training, performance coaching, and feedback with a flourish all in time for the big Halloween weekend. And you know what? Let's charge the 49 bucks to get in for the two-hour event. But Sam, I think we've got something special for our listeners. Yeah, let's do that $5 discount. We'll use discount code PODCAST. For any of our loyal listeners, you can save five bucks off that already ridiculously low price of just 49 bucks. Where should they register, Drew? To register, go to trainwithbty.com. That's trainwithbty.com. I can't wait to do that virtual training event, Sam. And now let's uh, hear from Liam and your favorite segment taken. I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Is there something that you have from the store, Sam, that you want to throw out there? Yeah. And, you know, piggybacks right on with what we've talking about. We've taken from the stores that, you know, I took this from Cleveland. If you're using a position chart and you're putting in primary, secondary, and side work, it's going to help you create customer experiences that are going to make sure that Domino's Pizza maintains their number one position in the world, and you become the dominant number one in your market. I can't stress enough the need for these position charts. And to hear some more nuts and bolts about it, go to VTE2 and you'll hear it. You'll see some examples of them. I just can't stress enough the importance of of position charts. I've always been a fan of them, Drew. Seeing it in action that night in Cleveland and seeing how people were using it just really reinforces how important I think it is. How about you, Drew? What have you taken from the stores? Yeah, shout out to Pat Farmer because I saw this yesterday and I had never thought of this and, and it kills me. I never thought of it. So those of us that are old, we have figured out ways over the years to do hustle bucks, whether it's been monopoly money or a roll of ones that somebody in the store is doing something cool and you pass them this hustle buck. Pat yesterday goes, what if they're over 18 and we just give them a scratch off lottery ticket? Whoa, I like it. So the fun then was if you win, don't quit. If you win, don't quit. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks for the dollar lottery ticket. I just won $1 million. This is going to be my last shift. Well, we had, we had one of the drivers scratch off 500 bucks. Shut the front door. Seriously. So, so, oh my gosh, like, like what a little thing again. If you're, if you're not for gambling, totally get it. If you can't do it in your state, totally get it. If they're under 18, please don't do that. But, oh my gosh, what a fun way. And, and these guys, they'd never done this before. It was just something that, that they kind of came up with on the fly yesterday. And the drivers were like, okay, I saw you give that guy a lottery ticket. How do I get one? Okay. Run to your car. I'll give you a lottery ticket. Man, I love that. <laughs> so lottery tickets for hustle bucks. Wow, Pat, if you're listening, that is that is amazing. That's man, I love that. Wow. You know, it just surprises me, Drew. As long as you and I have been doing this, and I think we're going on 80 combined years uh, or something like that, or 70 combined years, whatever the heck it is. It's been a lot. We're just always seeing new things and things like this podcast are a great way for people to learn some new things or to be reminded of some things that they used to do and for some reason aren't doing anymore. So that's just amazing. All right. One more time for that uh, advertisement for 
virtual training event number three. Hey, Drew, we've got two virtual trainings in and the listeners are telling us that they want more. I hear that too, Sam. So you know what? Let's do it. Let's go for October 26th for Drew and Sam Talk Training Virtual Training Event 3. I like it. Let's discuss effective training, performance coaching, and feedback with a flourish all in time for the big Halloween weekend. And you know what? Let's charge the 49 bucks to get in for the two-hour event. But Sam, I think we've got something special for our listeners. Yeah, let's do that $5 discount. We'll use discount code PODCAST. For any of our loyal listeners, you can save five bucks off that already ridiculously low price of just 49 bucks. Where should they register, Drew? To register, go to trainwithbty.com. That's trainwithbty.com. As we said in the beginning of the episode, Mother Nature isn't allowing us to do an interview this week. Uh, we will bring you our fabulous guest, Stephanie Seigwald, 2020 National Trainer of the Year hopefully in a later episode. So Sam, let's go to On the Road Again. Let's hear from Willie. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friend. And I can't wait to get on the road again. Where are you heading off to, Sam? I am uh, loading up the car and heading from the great state of Michigan to the West Coast. Going to be in California with Craig Turner's group. We're going to do two days of a world's fastest pizza maker. We're going to have 10 semifinalists on Tuesday. We're going to whittle that down to five on Wednesday. And then following those competitions, we're going to do two hour speed classes so that he can get all his people through so that we can get those load times down. And obviously, we're going to be talking about the importance of getting those ready orders out. So looking forward to that. And then I'm going to head down the coast to Los Angeles and spend uh, three, four or five days with my friend, Dennis Ryan. We're going to be putting some new technology into his stores and helping him out with some training in the stores. And then, uh, and then I'm going to head back to the state of Michigan, really looking forward to that three-day drive to California. Insert sarcasm here. How about you, Drew? Where are you off to? I am driving as well. Uh, I am heading back to Akron and to Dayton. I have a class with Chris Slater's group coming up on leadership for their team to help them have more fun in their stores. And I've got ride-alongs with Anthony Satterwhite's supervisors, which is just so much fun for me to see what they've taken from the class. It's been a few months because of the staffing. It's been longer than I wanted to. I like to come back like two-ish months after the class, because that's when it starts to wear off a little bit because you start to look at the fires again and you start to think maybe I need to fight the fire. That reinforcement's useful, but that's, that's where I'll be next week. This weekend, I get to go to the fabulous wedding of a couple of dominoids and I can't wait to see them get married. So that's, that's my next couple of days. Oh, how fun is that? As always, gang, thank you so much for listening. We'd love it if you'd share these episodes with your friends, like them, follow us and uh, subscribe, man. We'd love to get some more followers. We're getting just a great number of downloads. In fact, prior to the airing of this episode drew and i were talking about the number of downloads we begin we've been getting and we're just we're just over the moon with with how much people are listening and downloading and making comments on facebook so thanks for that absolutely thank you this has been episode 17 of drew and sam talk training i'm drew with better than yesterday consulting and i'm sam with fowler consulting as always gang go out there and sell more pizzas and have more fun That's all, folks.